Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us and those of you who are watching online as well. Could you imagine not using your calendar for an entire month? What would happen is you would miss appointments and events, you would end up double booking, things would just be a mess. Life would be chaos. Well, what is true with our calendar is also true with our pocketbook and our bank accounts. The Lord leads us to use all that he has entrusted to us in an organized way. And so we'll take a closer look at that in our service today, in our readings, in our sermon, the plan of the giver. We'll follow our order of service as it's printed out for us in the worship folder or projected on the screen. Let's begin with our first hymn, 232. Save me, O God. Give glory to God, our light and our life.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you led the wise men from far off into your presence to worship you with their treasures. Help us to order our lives in worship of you, our Savior and our King, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for our scripture lessons. Our first lesson today is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 16. The Lord for his Old Testament people had a plan laid out for them with their regular worship and their regular giving. The Lord doesn't make the same kinds of commands for us in the New Testament about what days exactly we need to worship or exactly what amounts to bring, but these verses encourage us also to have a plan. Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. This is the word of our God. We continue with the solo.
Our second lesson, taken from 1 Corinthians 16, serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This is the word of our God. Please stand. The gospel for today from Matthew chapter 2. Think of the planning that had to go in as those wise men from the far east, as they traveled all the way to Jerusalem, as they planned those treasures and to lay them before the newborn king and honor him. After all, the Lord had called them, the Lord included them in salvation. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our hymn of the day, 486.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our priceless treasure. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon today, the second lesson from 1 Corinthians 16. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It's incredible, really, just how organized he was. He started congregations in many cities across the Roman Empire. He knew the scriptures backwards and forwards and could bring up a passage to refer to in any different situation. He balanced his own tent-making business in addition to long hours of ministry. He managed ministry teams in different locations, and he maintained communications with congregations in Italy and Greece and Asia Minor, guiding and supporting them through some deadly threats to their souls. All of this while being intimidated, imprisoned at times, and going through physical hostility. It's amazing when you think about it, just how organized he was. He was no less organized than any major leader of the modern era. How was he able to be so organized when people like you and me can't seem to keep track of our keys and we forget about this bill or that bill and we have a hard time coordinating all of our schedules? Well, the one who dwelled in and worked in the Apostle Paul is the one who ordered the whole universe. He is not a God of disorder. And with him, everything is done in a fitting and orderly way. This is our God as well, who lives in and works in you and me. And today, God calls you and me to be organized with our money matters with all that he has entrusted to you and me to use to his glory. And he gives us some very practical ways of doing that. Get it together. Priority, personally, and plenty. As you read through this letter to the Corinthians, 16 chapters of it, you can't help but notice that things were messy in Corinth. There were factions and divisions among the people playing favorites with the different preachers. There were lawsuits between the different believers. There was sexual immorality. They were abusing the Lord's Supper. There were misunderstandings about marriage and the resurrection itself. Things were messy. Yet by nature, that's how things are with each of us. And our money is no exception. Our money matters have been quite messy. We lose money. We're unaware of exactly how much we're spending on different things from month to month. We use money on things that are harmful to us. We take money from others, either without telling them or without bothering to repay. So we need this advice. We need this guidance that God gives by his Spirit through the Apostle Paul. The Corinthians needed that too. Paul refers the Corinthians to the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. 
the collection. This was the same topic that Paul referred to and was talking about in 2 Corinthians 9 that we looked at last week and 2 Corinthians 8 that we looked at the week before. It was the saints in Jerusalem, the believers there. They had gone through a famine and were facing persecution. They were in great need of support. And so the churches in Galatia, that is the middle part of Asia Minor, the churches in Macedonia, that is the northern part of Greece, and the churches in the area of Corinth were getting an offering together to help support the saints over in Jerusalem. Now in some places, Paul calls it a generous gift. Other places, he calls it an expression of unity or an act of worship. But here, Paul calls it a collection. Gathering the money together. Getting it together. And he points the Corinthians to an example of what was going on in the Galatian congregations. Paul had given them direct orders in Galatia to do this. Now he says, you in Corinth do likewise. There is so much that we can learn from this. When we're struggling in one area of organization in our Christian living, we can look to the example of someone who's got it together and follow them and ask them and talk to them about it and follow that pattern. Paul commanded the Corinthians to do this too. He said, do it. That means don't just think about it. Don't just wish and waffle about it. Don't just talk about it, but do it. Get it together. Collect that money. Get that money together for this special collection. Now, this was not their regular offerings, their regular weekly offerings. This was a special need, a special project. He said, make this a priority. Do it. On the first day of every week, that means it wasn't a one and done, even though it was a special project, it was to be a regular priority for them. I read some articles recently that Americans hear or are exposed to or presented with anywhere between 4,000 and 10,000 advertisements every day. Things for political causes or phones, things for video games or vacations, all kinds of different promotions and advertisements. Do this with your money, do that. All these different voices vying for our attention of what's important with our money. Yet even all those advertisements are just a whisper compared to the shouts of our sinful nature. I need to get this. I need to save up for that for me. I deserve this. I need this. I need that. Our sinful nature is constantly shouting so that we lose the most important priority. We set all kinds of different goals and lose sight of what's most important with what God has entrusted to you and me. And special collections become not so special, or at least not for very long. For yours and my distracted and scatterbrained attitude toward the Lord's glory, with the Lord's money, we deserve to be separated and scattered from the Lord forever. Thankfully, the Lord has got it together. 
on the first day of every week, the Lord prioritizes that we, his people, get to hear just how important we are to him. He gave his one and only son. Jesus paid for all of our sins with his blood, more precious than gold or silver. We were such a priority to the Lord that he's been planning for us since before the foundations of the world were laid. And he ordered all of history to be faithful to his promises to us in Christ. God made you and me such a priority that he gathered us into his holy Christian church by his spirit. And he's gathered you and me into groups of believers like here at St. Paul's where we regularly gather around God's word. He's made us a priority by sending pastors and teachers to build us up in his word. He has made it a priority to wash you of all of your distractedness and forgetfulness and selfishness in your baptism. He makes it a priority to regularly feed you with his forgiveness in communion. He's made it his priority to entrust to you and to give to you the riches of his inheritance among the saints, heaven itself. On the first day of every week, we remember that that's the day our Lord rose from the dead. And his life, his forgiveness, his faithfulness, his follow-through is all ours through faith. So as the Lord asks you and me, his new creations, his new people, to prioritize special collections, we do that gladly. Our calendars and our to-do lists, those are our friends. They help us remember and prioritize and follow through and accomplish. So whether it's the first day of every week or the first day of every month or whenever the Lord fills you with every good thing in his word, prioritize getting it together with special collections that God lays before us. But not only priority, also personally. Isn't that what the gospel lesson for today taught us? That God leaves no one out. God includes everyone, even if they're not of Abraham's blood lineage, even if they've never worshipped at the temple in Jerusalem before, even if they come from a far-off country or from a different generation, God includes each one of us in his love in Christ. That was really the message to the Corinthians, too. Did you realize what kinds of people were in the Corinthian congregation? Some among them had been idol worshipers. Others were sexually immoral or male prostitutes or homosexuals. Some in the congregation were greedy and thieves and drunkards and slanderers. That is what they were. But they were washed. They were set apart by God, by his Holy Spirit, for the Lord. They were declared innocent by the blood of Jesus because God includes each one of us, just as he included each one of those in the Corinthian congregation as well. Think about how God has included you. He knit you together in your mother's womb and, and gave you your health, your abilities, your possessions. 
He has positioned you at this time in history, at this place, so that you are in a position to hear and come to know him and put your trust in him. He's put people in your life, whether it's parents or grandparents or classmates or friends or pastors or teachers, who could point you to Christ and build you up in Christ. You with your own personal sins that you've fallen into and that you still struggle with. He's forgiven you. When the water ran down your head and the word resounded in your ears and the spirit took up residence in your heart. You personally. So in the same way, God asked the Corinthian Christians and he asks you and me to take special collections personally. He said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. Each of us. Notice Paul doesn't say, well, if you already give regular offerings, you can dismiss this one out of hand. Paul doesn't say, if you're wealthy, you're probably already contributing to a bunch of other causes, so don't even bother with this one. And he doesn't say, if you're low income, you can just take a pass on this because your gift probably wouldn't make much of an impact anyways. He includes each one of them. Do you remember what Jesus did with the humble offering of that boy? Five loaves of bread and two fish? How far could that go? Well, Jesus used that and multiplied that to feed thousands. Do you remember what Jesus did with Lydia's gift, that dealer of purple cloth in Philippi? He used that, he used her to help support Paul's missionary team to host them. And she was likely a part of supporting big chunks of Paul's future mission work as well. Now to some, God gives the special gift of contributing toward the needs of others. But to each of us, he gives the opportunity and the ability to contribute toward special gifts. And as each of us take that personally, do you realize how big of an encouragement that is for us together? The Corinthians realized it's not just each of us here, it's each of them over in Galatia and Macedonia too. How encouraging for you and me with special collections and special projects and special needs that we participate in. It's not just us, it's, it's people in Sheboygan and Falls and Plymouth, and Keele, and Cleveland, and all the areas in between and, and around. We come from many different cities, and God has gathered us here, supporting this together, each one of us. Our Sunday school children and our day school children are supporting this project of ours, the Growing Forward Project, the early childhood expansion on the south end of our campus, they're supporting that this year one nickel and one quarter at a time. And it adds up. Taking it personally because it's about individuals. Jesus cares about the grandfather, the grandmother, the mother, the father, the child, the infant. He takes it personally and we can too. Let's get it together, personally, but also plenty. 
Corinth was a, a large city, an important city. It was the capital city of one of the regions or provinces of the Roman Empire. Uh, likely, up to a quarter of a million people lived there at the time of Paul in the first century AD. It was on a narrow strip of land between two seas that spanned Italy and Asia Minor. It was a harbor city and it was wealthy, prosperous. Now the members of the Corinthian congregation, they, not many of them were of noble birth or influential or highly intellectual people, but they had plenty. The Apostle Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 8 when he said, you, at this time, with your plenty, you will supply the needs of the people over in Jerusalem, the believers there. And so with that plenty, here the Apostle Paul was really just encouraging the Christians in Corinth, take inventory of all that plenty. He says here, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. The word for income there, really has to do with how it's gone well for you along life's road. How you've prospered. How the Lord has blessed you. And the Lord had done that for the Corinthians. Isn't it really the same for us here in America? We may not all be part of the 1% or the extremely wealthy here in America, but we have plenty. And we've all benefited from that. Things have gone well for us along life's road so that we oftentimes have so much stuff that we need to sort through it. And as we sort through all that we've gained over the years, we find treasures. You know, those dart ball trophies that remind us of a time of victory and camaraderie. Or maybe we bring those fall decorations back out of storage and Oh, the, the smell of bonfires reaches our nose and the taste of apple cider on our lips and the sound of crackling leaves. Just as we look at those fall decorations or those outfits from the 90s, decades gone by, but a decade of God's blessing for us. And not just taking inventory of our plenty from the past, but our plenty from the present to look at it, to review it regularly that birthday check that came in the mail from one of our relatives, the money from our side job or from raking the leaves or mowing someone's lawn, the raise or the bonus at work, the proceeds from a garage sale, the deposit in our bank account from Uncle Sam. In so many ways, the Lord blesses us. The Lord brings us prosperity and plenty. Here, God guides us to get it together, to take some from the plenty the Lord has given us and accumulate it, to save it up, to store it up. Some weeks or months it may be more, other weeks it may be less. We may not bring it into God's house every week, but we store it up and it accumulates. Could you imagine looking at the faces of the saints in Jerusalem? when that collection arrived from Corinth and Galatia and Macedonia, I get to have a set of clothes. I get to eat meals every day now. I get to have a place to stay, a roof over my head now. Thanks to this collection from God's people. 
the Lord blessed them to get it together as they reviewed the plenty that they had from him. There are all kinds of special collections, special offerings, good and godly causes here in our area and at our synodical level, our larger church body. They're wonderful opportunities. But this growing forward effort, this one's ours. Our congregation has decided to make this our plan. The group of Christians that God has gathered here at St. Paul's has made this our mission. We own this in line with God's word and in support and service to God's glory. Can you imagine seeing the faces? Imagine seeing the look on the child's face whose soul has been hungry and now fed with the bread of life. Imagine getting to know that family from our neighborhood who now has their own place in the Heavenly Father's mansion. This special collection, what an opportunity. What an amazing way for you and me to get organized to show our love and our thanks for our Savior who's given us everything. Let's so look to the plenty that God has given to you and me and let's get it together. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with the Te Deum.
I call to you. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. We praise you for the regular blessings and for the special blessings extended from your gracious hand each day. Especially, we thank you for your Son and our salvation in him. Order our lives to serve and obey you and give from your goodness to us. Jesus, you are our risen Savior. We mourn along with the family of Rachel Rabine as you suddenly called her father, Clarence,
Hello, I'm Wells President Mark Schrader. It's important for every Wells member to know that there's a shortage of pastors, teachers, and staff ministers in our Synod, with vacant positions all across the country. That means all of us need to do more to encourage young people to consider full-time ministry. And a key part of that effort is ensuring a first-class campus experience at Martin Luther College. Students like Caitlin Butler have a lot of options when considering which college to attend. They look at the coursework, the social atmosphere, and even athletic facilities. It's also nice that we not only get to grow in our faith together, but we also get to um, enjoy some of the other things that we like doing, like sports. Martin Luther College's sports facilities, residence halls, and other buildings have not kept pace with similar schools. And even though Caitlin enrolled at MLC, Many of her friends looked elsewhere for their college education, an unfortunate reality that has hurt Martin Luther College's enrollment. You can definitely tell that there's a lot of outdated stuff, and coming from some of my other friends who are at other colleges, you can, you can uh, definitely tell there's a lot of differences uh, between the facilities here at MLC compared to other places. But that's about to change. MLC is building a large indoor practice facility Many generous gifts laid the financial foundation, and a transformational gift enabled construction to begin. The Betty Cone Field House features a large artificial turf practice area, batting cages, golf simulators, and locker rooms. This building is going to help our campus recruit and retain uh, those who are going to one day be pastors and teachers and staff ministers. A new residence hall is also in the planning stages. It's part of a larger plan to ensure Martin Luther College nurtures all the gifts of our young people, from musical talent to science skills to leadership skills that flow from on-the-field competition. We simply must provide a campus that speaks to the prospective students of the 21st century. The campaign seeking to jumpstart this campus upgrade is called Equipping Christian Witnesses. It reflects a recognition that we need to support and encourage the promising young people who will lead our church in the future. It makes sense that we as a church body would, would devote a lot of resources and energy to training future gospel ambassadors. Another key aspect of the campaign is increasing financial aid for students so that no one sees the cost of MLC as a roadblock to public ministry. If we can build our financial aid, we can make sure that finances do not stop anyone from pursuing ministry, and especially those who just aren't quite sure and maybe now too easily can look another direction when God's given them those gifts. It's a blessing every time a young person takes a step toward a future in public ministry. Our role 
is to do all we can to encourage them and to help provide the top flight college experience that demonstrates our love for our students and for people who need to hear about our Savior. Construction on the new Betty Cohn Field House at Martin Luther College is well underway, and it should be ready for use in just a couple of months. If you would like to follow the construction and participate in the effort, go to the website on your screen or contact our Wells Ministry of Christian Giving at 800-827-5482.